millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Story time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I went camping with my friend Alex to Crow Flat, Oregon. As I exited the Crow Flat new washroom, I noticed something strange happening. A small herd of deer was running as fast as they could, heading east towards my friend Alex and me. I quickly looked around to see what had spooked them and my eyes caught something unusual. A large black biped was moving parallel to the meadow in the west. At first, I thought it was a bear, but as I focused on it, I realized that it was not. It was too tall and too human-like to be a bear. As it noticed us, it increased its pace and started moving faster towards us. I gestured to Alex to keep quiet and keep an eye on the creature as I made my way towards where I had seen it. I could feel my heart pounding as I tried to be as quiet as possible, not knowing what I was getting myself into. When I finally reached the spot where I had seen the creature, the ground was fluffy and dusty, and it held very faint tracks about 15 or 16 inches long and about 6 or 7 inches wide. I knew that I had to investigate further, so I called my friend Jack, a Navy SEAL, to come and help us. Jack arrived shortly, 
and we set out to track the creature. We followed the tracks for miles, and just when we were about to give up, we saw it again. This time, it was standing still, and we could see it more clearly. It was at least seven feet tall, with broad shoulders and muscular arms. It had long, shaggy hair covering its body, and its eyes glowed in the dark. Jack immediately took out his binoculars and started observing the creature. As we watched, it suddenly turned around and started moving towards us. Jack quickly took out his gun and aimed it at the creature, ready to fire. But before he could do anything, the creature suddenly vanished into thin air. We were left standing there, stunned and bewildered. We spent hours discussing what we had just witnessed, trying to make sense of it all. It was unlike anything we had ever seen before, and we were both convinced that it was not of this world. We decided to keep our encounter a secret, not wanting to cause panic or alarm among the locals. Years later, Jack and I still talk about that night, wondering what could have happened if we had engaged in a confrontation with the creature. We may never know what it was, but we know that it was an experience that we will never forget. A few weeks ago, my buddy and I decided to go elk hunting in an area with a lot of bear sign. There were poop and trees that were all scratched up. We decided to spike camp in some timber. I slept on the ground while my buddy slept in a hammock. In the middle of the night, I woke up to something walking around outside my tarp. At first, I didn't think much of it, so I listened to it milling around for a bit before falling back asleep. The next morning, I asked my buddy if he had heard anything walking around. He told me that something had actually walked into his hammock. He heard it approaching, and then it hit the strap on his hammock before moving off. We weren't sure what it was, but it was definitely unsettling. It was more unsettling for my buddy than it was for me. We both knew that there were bears in the area, but we couldn't be sure if that was what we heard. It was a little nerve-wracking, but we continued with our hunting trip. We made sure to be extra cautious and alert, keeping an eye out for any potential dangers. Thankfully, nothing else happened for the remainder of our trip, and we both returned home safely. I served in the military for a few years and had my fair share of training exercises in various locations. One of the most memorable ones was in a dense jungle where we had to navigate down a river in small motor boats. It was hot and humid, but we were focused on the task at hand. That was until someone realized we were one man and one boat short. We quickly realized that one of our comrades was missing, and we needed to find him as soon as possible. So, we split up and started searching for him. After a while, we found his boat down a side fork of the river but there was no sign of the guy anywhere. It was strange, there wasn't any indication that he might have been attacked by a crocodile or any other predator. He just vanished into thin air. We searched the area thoroughly, but there was no trace of him. No scraps of uniform, no blood, nothing. It was as if he just disappeared into thin air. We had no idea what had happened to him. For all we knew, he could have been captured by a local tribe or something. It was a scary thought, and we all hoped he was safe and would be found soon. But unfortunately, we never did find him. It was a mystery that would always linger in our minds. After our grandfather passed my cousin and I decided to take up elk hunting, the beginning of the end. It was our very first trip out. We did everything wrong. Cotton, hammocks in 20 degree weather, cheap summer sleeping bags, packed everything but the kitchen sink. I'm sure our packs were every bit of 90 pounds lol. Anyway, we didn't sleep much. Our last night out at about 2 am we were sitting by the fire and making plans when we heard whispering. We both looked at each other puzzled. We grew up together and a lot can be said without speaking. So we listened and sure as hell we heard it again from a different direction and then again from another. It was definitely guys whispering. There were at least six and had us surrounded. We both had pistols but were at a huge disadvantage being in the fire's light. 
I decided to send him and our families a group text message telling them the situation and my plan. If shit got hairy he was to grab my Beano harness with my keys in it and make a break for the darkness and then to the pickup. He is by far the faster runner. I also said to follow my lead and I would try to get us out of this. I then told him in a calm normal voice that I was really thinking the elk had moved on and we should probably pack up and find a different hunting area. He agreed. We sat and listened inconspicuously for a minute and heard a couple more whispers. I told him that I thought we could possibly get out of there before sunrise and to our other spot in time for a morning hunt. Again we listened to the whispering. I sent another text to tell him to be ready to explode into action if things got worse. I casually got up and stretched and said I'm going to start packing. We got everything packed up with no issues but did hear a couple more whispers. It was extremely hard to act like we didn't hear them but I was sure if we did, things would go downhill and fast. I distinctly heard those fs and fast. Once we got our packs on I sent him another text telling him to get his eyes adjusted to the dark. I quickly dumped my water on the fire and we made our move out of there. We rapidly hiked for the first mile in dark silence and didn't hear anything behind us. After a another mile or so we made it to the truck. There wasn't another vehicle in sight anywhere. Nothing happened thankfully but I don't trust people and who knows what their plan was. Were they hoping to catch us sleeping? I kinda thought it may have been a group of poachers and were going to call their ride once they got something. Called the sheriff in the morning and they said that they weren't even going to check it out due to low staffing and the remote area. I had flown to Marietta, Georgia from Las Vegas to visit my father for Christmas when I was 16 years old. After arriving at the airport around 9.30 p.m., 10 p.m., my father picked me up and we went back to his house. It was already late, so we decided to clean up and go to bed. I was sleeping on the couch in the living room that had a window facing the backyard and the forest behind my father's house. It was around midnight when something caught my eye while I was reading a book. I saw three faint lights in the woods, and I thought they were fireflies. However, it was December, and fireflies were not common during that time of year. As I continued watching, I noticed that they were moving slowly and wobbling. The lights got closer and closer, and I couldn't look away. They floated over the backyard gate, and that's when I realized that it wasn't something normal. They were about 10 to 15 feet away from the gate, and they proceeded to float up to the bay window area. They were basketball-sized, almost translucent, and vibrant green. They began to bob up and down in a random pattern that got faster and faster until I blacked out. The next thing I remembered was waking up on the couch the next morning with a horrible migraine and a serious pain in my left forearm. There was a small bluish silver metal object, about 3 to 4 centimeters out of my skin, near the palm of my hand. My forearm hurt badly, and the object had never been there before. Years later, I was hiking at Calico Basin in Vegas during November-December when I saw a little green light in the sky. It wasn't moving, and I looked at it for about 5 to 10 minutes before I started feeling freaked out. I left and returned home. A couple of days later, I used forceps and an X-Acto knife to remove the object on my arm. It was hard, steel-like, and had a bluish-silver color with a dark gray patina around it. My name's Dean. I used to be a ranger of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, located in Northern Carolina. I was guiding a group of Spanish tourists, and none of them knew English. Our communication was more than terrible. I left them near a river, returning to base. Two hours go by, and I returned to see if everybody was fine and if nobody was lost. We went back to a safe place. The afternoon was turning into night and being there would be extremely dangerous. We arrived, and one of the tourists told me that we had forgotten somebody, a young woman with a notebook. He told me she was trying to collect some data about birds and insects. Immediately, I went to search for her. I took everything I had before going. I told everybody to stay there, and I'd be back in a half hour flat. 
The forest was dark, the insects noises. I heard her distressed call near the river, and I arrived there, and she was being attacked by bats. I grabbed my gun, firing several shots into the air. The bats fled, and the woman had some superficial bite wounds. She panicked and fainted. I waited for her to recover, then took her back to the safe place where I could get her first aid. We were walking, she was having some difficulties, even if I was helping her. The forest was dark, and suddenly began to rain. As we walked harder, some hours had passed, and we had arrived. The other tourists were waiting for a return and became shocked at what had happened. I gave her first aid. All the tourists asked to get back to the city. I told them that would not be possible in that condition. It was raining a lot, the track was wet, and probably would all suffer accidents. I told everybody to sleep, and when the morning appeared, the young woman was dead. Her body had more wounds than last night. An old man had some bite wounds in his left arm and did not wake up. His wife had tried to wake him, but when he finally woke, he had a severe heart attack and died. The old woman in tears, the other two tours tried to calm her down and asked me what happened. After hours of searching, night came, and this time, I was completely alone. Five years of working as a ranger of this park, it gave me the knowledge to be prepared for anything or so I thought. At midnight, I heard a strange noise sounding like a huge airplane or something. I decided to go see what was happening. I arrived and saw something that nobody would believe in my words, giant bats, and I'm not talking about regular bats. These were massive, the size of humans, and what's worse, as I saw them in the light, they were human hybrids, part human, part bat, and they were devouring the body of a wolf with hands and claws and a face that looked like a demon. I panicked, running faster than I could. These things saw me, flying off in the sky and taking my direction, almost trying to catch me. The woods were dark, and my light only prevailed through so much darkness. I entered a small cavern that would provide me ample coverage. I guess you can call it a cavern, it was more like a little outing in the wall, but they were flying in the air, looking for me. They looked like large deformed black dogs, taller than humans, red eyes, and long tails. I shot at one of them, and they came screaming in my direction. I waited for the right moment to run, returning back when I had arrived. I could still hear them flying around in the distance. I told everybody to keep quiet, immediately radioing my boss telling him we have an issue. He asked that I speak with him in private as it sounded like he kind of already knew what was going on. When I spoke to him, he threw some paperwork in front of me and told me to sign it. It was an NDA. He looked at me and told me, this is not going to be the first time you have to sign these. Better get used to it on this job. Which is why I have to be very careful with my identity. At the beginning of this story, I told you my name was Dean. Obviously, I'm sure you've already guessed that's not my real name. It's merely a placeholder. I guess there are several other rangers who have seen these same bats. What they are, I'm not sure. Could they be the elusive bat squatch? Possibly, but they looked far more hideous. And unlike a bat squatch, they were not covered in hair. They were far worse. Unfortunately, not always as it seems in these national parks, and many of these things were told to keep quiet about. All I can say is, for anyone wanting to venture out at night, be very, very careful whether you're in a national park or not. In July 1968, my family and I were living in a small town west end of Montrose County called Uravan, Colorado. In the early morning, I was awakened by the barking of a family dog named Tippy outside my bedroom window. Tippy never really barked unless someone or something was in a yard that wasn't supposed to be. I remember waking up out of dead sleep and hearing Tippy constantly barking and wondering why my older brother who's sleeping bunk above and my parents sleeping in the bedroom joining ours weren't telling Tippy to quit. Finally, I had enough of it and decided to turn over in my bed and look out the window myself. When I did I couldn't believe what saw. 
There it was a small circle ship with its landed gear down and hatch with stairs fold down to the ground. Next to the ship were green lizard-like beings. Their eyes were bright yellow, and some tanks were on their backs and another bag. They didn't have fingers but had web hands that looked like a bow and arrow. Their body was thin, and scaly, their legs were also thin, and their feet had V-shaped toes. I remember thinking to myself this was some kind of hunting party because my dad was a bow hunter himself, and that kind of gave me the idea. I could tell they were searching for something. Then another alien came off the ship. It was much bigger than the others and seemed to give the others orders. Tippy again began her barking and the alien close to our house seemed to be upset with her barking. I could see it looking over at Tippy and it started walking over to her. I then jump off my bed and headed into my parents' room to wake my mother up. I remember how hard it was to wake her, she acted like she was on a heavy drug or something. I couldn't get her to wake up. Finally was able to get her up and told them something was going on outside and that it was going hurt Tippy. She was still not awake and was sluggish. My mother followed me to my bedroom. Once there I showed what I was seeing outside. I don't know what they did to my mom but she couldn't see them. All she wanted to do was sleep. Finally, my mother got up from my bed and told me to crawl to the other side of my bed away from the window. I did what I was told. The last thing remember before going to sleep was looking over in the closet where the window cast light on my clothes and saw two of the lizard beings trying to look in the window. No other sound came from Tippy. My mother wasn't drinking or taking anything that would cause sedation. I firmly believe they did something to the family to make them sleep. It just didn't work on me. In the morning the first thing I did was to run out and check on Tippy and my PJs. Sure enough, she was lying in the front yard waiting for kids to come to play with her. She acted like nothing had happened the night before. I was 12 years old at the time and the memory is etched in my conscience. It was not a dream or hallucination. I have included an image of what the lizard people looked like. Interestingly enough, on the same night my mother passed away in 2016, she asked me if I had remembered seeing the lizard people in their ship in our yard in Colorado. That was the only time she acknowledged witnessing the incident. I've been an officer in our small town since well before I can even remember, but I have never experienced something quite similar to what I did last week. I don't believe in the paranormal or anything of that kind, I never have, but the logic I've been raised to apply cannot begin to explain this. I have never quite seen something as strange, I'm not sure if anybody else has either. You see, there is no rational way to try and explain it or even make it sound plausible. But please bear with me. I need to tell you the story that changed my perspective on my life. At around 8 PM, we had gotten word from dispatch about a dispute taking place between some college kids. Apparently, it had begun as a minor disturbance and soon turned into a full-fledged physical fight. The scene was a good one-hour drive, even if we drove like NASCAR racers. It was taking place at the literal border of our area of jurisdiction so I was sure that we were going to be plenty late to the party. No other units were available at the time either, except for us, so we got moving. This is precisely why cops get a bad rep for always being late. You know the units nearby are always busy with something for some reason. Gene, my colleague, and I drove as I sat in a seat beside him, looking out the window and listening to my growling stomach. I hadn't eaten lunch that day due to work, and I'm not somebody who can go long time without eating. At around 8.30, still a rather large distance away from our destination, we stopped at a drive through sandwich place that had come our way. We were going to be late anyway, so stopping for a few moments couldn't possibly hurt. I would not have been surprised if the fight was already over by now and everybody had just gone home or to the hospital or whatever. I unwrapped my sandwich as Jean resumed the drive. He only had bought an iced coffee, despite me telling him to grab something to eat while he had the chance. He had been with me and had not had lunch yet either, my guess was he was not hungry anyway. There we were once again, driving through the empty road in silence. 
The road had thick trees on either side of it and completely void of people. It was pretty peacefully actually, minus what it followed. At around 8.50, I noticed something weird, out of the ordinary. The road had been straight all this while, but somehow we passed the sandwich shop that we had bought our stuff from once again. I pointed this out to Jean, who stopped and checked. Yes, we had been driving straight on a straight road for the last 20 minutes and somehow traveled in a circle. It was that very same sandwich shop. I told him to put it on his GPS if he doesn't know the way. He reluctantly did, swearing that he had been on this road multiple times and confidently knew the way. Once again, we left the shop behind us and continued the journey. I was rather observant of the outside this time, so when the long road lined with trees opened up to reveal the same shop, I couldn't believe my eyes. Jean had noticed it too and pulled over. He checked his GPS, but sure enough, we were again back at the same place. I couldn't understand it. Even I had driven on this road before, and it was not, and I promise, a circular path in any way. Something wasn't right. As he mumbled in confusion, I explained to him, please let me drive now. It was 9.10 PM already, and he was repeatedly coming back to the same spot. This was not helping us. Looking carefully at the GPS on his phone in front of me, I began to drive. Even though I paid as much attention to the road in front of me as I did to the GPS route showing me a straight path to the destination, somehow we ended up by the shop yet again. I started freaking out. What is happening here? I looked at Jean, who was clearly as disturbed as I was. I couldn't just radio into dispatch and tell them we were going through some sort of time warp. They would think we're high or on drugs or drunk, so I had to think of something. I got out of the car and went to the owner of the shop. He was an older gentleman in his later 60s, the same one actually who had given me the sandwich. I told him about the weird thing happening with us and asked if somebody else had experienced it before. He was rather hard of hearing, so I had to repeat myself and raise my voice quite a few times. When he finally understood what I was trying to say, he looked clueless and simply shook his head. I walked back disappointed. The conversation had not been fruitful in any way, and we drove off yet again swearing that if the road somehow led us to the shop once more. I'd finally radio for the backup we needed. Keep in mind that I was plenty creeped out at this point, and so was Jean. At this time, however, the road lined with trees and went on for longer and did not lead us back to the same point. When I saw the connecting roads branching out from the one we were on, I felt a sigh of relief coming on like I never had before. Granted, we reached our scene by 9.50 PM and did not see a soul, but honestly, I didn't care. We had somehow been driving a circle on a straight road for over an hour. Breaking out that there was more than enough time for me, as Jean spoke to dispatch, I set the location in the GPS for the station, rerouting it so we didn't have to take the same path. No way in hell was I going to go through that again. As an officer, I have seen many weird things, but I have always been able to somewhat explain it with reason and logic, irrational thinking, the strange animals, strange shapes, the paranormal, possessed people, people on drugs, gunfights, you name it, people are strange. However, something like this that feels like we were in the twilight zone, I don't know how to describe this. I've looked into this before, and the only thing that comes up is the Mandela effect, which might or might not be part of what I experienced. Either way, it's hard for me to even comprehend and acknowledge that it really happened. The GPS and my memory both are a testament to the linearity of the path we were on, yet we had somehow been looped over and over again. And talk about the twilight zone. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear your opinion on what you think happened. Thirty-five years ago, I was perched in a valley tree stand, during archery season, in a tract of hardwoods near my parents' home. This tract bordered on of the state's largest mental health hospitals. Growing up in the area, us kids would build forts, etc. in the woods surrounding the hospital and occasionally run into patients who wandered off the hospital property, 
as it had no fences. Most of the folks were harmless but this facility did house a number of folks who were truly disturbed. Anyway, getting back to being perched in the tree stand one evening, I got that strange sensation of being watched. That feeling proved to be correct as I saw a figure moving through some thick brush on the hillside about 100 yards in front of me. Thinking it to be just be one of the wanderers, I didn't pay it any mind for a few minutes. Upon just beginning to relax, I was again overwhelmed with that feeling. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man walking on the storm sewer cut behind me about 60 yards. He was wearing sweatpants, typical of the hospital patients, and a blue flannel button-down top. I wasn't sure if he had seen me or not but I had a feeling that this man wasn't one of the harmless patients, as he began to pace back and forth along a 30-yard length of the cut, speaking and cursing loudly to no one, bawling his fists, and hissing slash spitting like a cat. It was getting close to sundown so I thought it best to climb down and slip out of the woods, knowing I had a steep hill climb back to the house and didn't want to alert this man to my presence, as he was between me and my way out. I waited until he had walked in the direction away from me, lowered my bow and pack, climbed down, and started to do a long loop up and slightly around the hill in front of me. I dropped out of the woods against a pasture field, crested a short rise, and was surprised by the same man sitting on a fallen tree, massaging his bare feet, with no shoes anywhere in sight. I remember thinking there's no way that guy could get here before I did. I was stuck and had no choice but to go by him. As I approached him, he looked up at me with eyes like Vincent D'Onofrio's character in the bathroom scene in Full Metal Jacket. As casually as I could, I said hello and kept walking by. As I passed, he asked me if I was in the army and on maneuvers. I said no and kept on walking. Behind me, he hissed loudly and that put a hop in my step. I went about 100 yards before looking back behind me. The man was gone from the fallen tree although I didn't know which direction he had gone. I double-timed it up the hill and out of the woods towards home. Spooked me enough that I didn't go back there anymore that year and, not long after, the land was sold and a housing development sprouted up. While the man may have been harmless, his actions and me being an 18-year-old kid at the time, still make the hair stand up on my arms as I type this. As I was driving down the road going from Lane County into Lynn County I had just passed a corner when up ahead about one-fourth mile I saw around a 7-8 feet black creature crossing road. I was around 18 at the time, pregnant, by myself and petrified. It was in center of road when I got sight of it. I slowed down praying it would not look my way. I was so scared I stopped breathing. It crossed into the side of road and up into trees. I at this point floored the gas pedal, and kept my eyes straight ahead not looking into the side of road where creature had passed. All I can say is what I seen looks exactly like the pics I have seen of what is called Sasquatch. People always laugh it off when I tell them, but I know what I seen was something I had never seen before, and never want to again. I was so scared, and the bad thing is I still drive those roads all times of day and I am hoping this creature will take pity on me and not show itself again while I am on those roads. It never looked at me when it crossed the road I don't think it even knew I was there. I am definitely a believer now. The thing I want to know is why haven't we ever found a corpse of one of these creatures? Could their group burry them, or do they maybe eat their dead? That is the one thing I would like to find out. I do security work at night. And it is in a big fenced in yard kind of like in a rural area. One night, I was getting ready to go to the restroom, you know, to the building, and one minute I was walking and the next minute I was in front of four, what I called the bird people because they stood about four feet. Their faces were kind of humanoid but, you know, between a human and a bird. Their body, it was, you know, it was shaped like a bird and it had, it looked like a bird but their face was different. Their faces were different. It wasn't exactly a bird face but between a human and a bird. Kind of flat, gray, their eyes were kind of slit and the nose was kind of, 
you know how a bird nose looks. But it was in front of the face and had kind of a small mouth. And it was just for a few seconds. I'm not the kind of person to see things even though I know a lot about different phenomena. It's still really fresh in my mind because it was different beings and I did have the sense that they were very intelligent. And then, the next thing I was heading towards the restroom and I was thinking it was interdimensional or an out-of-body type of thing. This was kind of like out in the open and I'm thinking these beings wanted me to see them. They were standing apart. There were four of them and they were just looking at me and I was just looking at them. The next night I was just sitting in my car patrolling like I always do when I heard this beautiful melody. It was like a bird and a human. It was like they were singing to me. It was like they know I had acknowledged them and they had acknowledged me. It was like the most beautiful sound. An enchanting melody. It was like they were singing to me. I myself am an avid hunter and outdoorsman and I have had many encounters with something that I just can't comprehend. My first incident was up on the Kalawash River in a primitive campsite. We were the only campers around, and at about 11.30 at night my girlfriend told me that someone was outside my camper. So I got up and ran outside to surprise any peeper or weirdo that might have been around our camp. Nothing not no one was around, I tried convincing my girlfriend who is now my wife of 11 years that no one is out there. I tried sleeping for a few minutes and felt that someone was staring into my soul, if you will, a very uncomfortable feeling. It almost feels like you're going to get sick if you have never experienced it before. We got the hell out of there and drove all the way back to town. My other experience came on opening day of West Side Deer Rifle season in 1998. I was making an evening hunt heading west down Lucans off of FS or 4540. I parked at the gate and hiked down the creek no more than a mile, when on my right side I heard something kicking shale loose up in the canyon wall. I automatically raised my rifle thinking a whole herd of deer were side-hilling the canyon, but nothing. I walked another 100 yards. Or so and I heard it again and again I raised my rifle but still nothing. It was almost dark and there are no roads on Susip. Open to the public and I can't think of an animal that beats rocks together. There is a lot of activity going on in this area and my resources are limited to what I can do. But I do know the area very well and if I went back there tomorrow and hiked around enough it would find me. My best friend is a dog named Nessie and she follows me absolutely everywhere I go. She is a seven-year-old, black lab Sheltie mix, who is the light of my life. Anywho, I woke up in the middle of the night, to use the restroom, and she didn't follow me. Weird. But not the first time. I assumed she was in deep puppy sleep. I finish my business, walk into the living room, to get to the bedroom, and I see Nessie. The light is low but I have multiple tarantula terrariums that stay lit 24-7. But 15 feet in front of me is a black dog standing on my couch. It takes a step off the couch and its legs were huge. Now, I've not experienced much paranormal stuff, but I have trained my whole life for this. At this exact moment, I have envisioned a million ways. Finally a paranormal encounter. I've planned out what I would do in a spooky situation and it is, confrontation. Whatever I see, I know I will be terrified but I will confront it. I will try to touch it, talk to it, we are doing the thing. So, I'm looking at it and realizing it wasn't my dog. Acknowledged in my head that this is paranormal and crazy as all heck. I acknowledge that I am not scared but that is scary. I then thought I should go to bed and that's what I did. Attached is a not-so-good drawing on a napkin with said strange dog. I didn't expect my experience to be a dog with extra long legs. I was prepped for like a woman wearing 1800s garb or a shadow silhouette of a person. The thought to go to bed was definitely out of character for me. Like completely out of character. My friend Mel and I were up panning for gold. He was on the left side of the road and I decided to walk up a small stream on the right side to see if I could find anything. 
I was about 75 yards and standing on a log that had crossed the stream taking a rest when I smelled a musty smell and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I turn around to see something take one step in the middle of a 8 feet stream and to the other side. It was 6-7 feet tall, brown and black, longer arms with slight humped back. At that time I unholstered my sidearm and put a round in the chamber. I just stood there for a couple of minutes trying to see or hear anything to no avail. I slowly made my way back to the road through the thick brush the same way I had come in and told Mel what I had seen, he didn't know what to think. I have been in the mountains my whole life and not seen anything remotely close to what I had seen that day although I have smelled the same musty smell on other occasions while out in the bush. There were three of us, Mary Jane Robinson, her mother Dorothy Robinson, and myself. We were in rural Pennsylvania, Shippensburg in Cumberland County. We went shopping in a mall that was a few miles from home. Mary was getting ready to go to nursing school. She was buying a few things and, uh, the stores closed at 9 p.m. We were coming back from Shippensburg and Mary hated driving on Interstate 81 so we always took the rural back roads. It was a perfectly clear night, a million stars visible and some moonlight. And it was just, you know, a lovely drive. Then, out of nowhere, there were these lights that came up behind us and Mary thought that somebody wanted to pass so she put her arm out and she said, pass, pass. And she slowed down and they didn't pass but they were close and it was annoying her, so she stopped the car and she said, I want to find out what is going on. And her mother said, Mary, don't get out of this car. Just stop. Let them go. Ignore them. And she said, no, maybe something's wrong. Ever the caregiver, Nurse Mary. I was in the back seat. I got out of the car as well. Mary was 18 and I was 14. So I got out of the car also and I was on the passenger side of the car. Mary was on the driver's side of the car. She walked to the rear of the car and I was already pretty much there. And there was this object. There was no lights this time. When we stopped and got out of the car, the lights were gone. And you couldn't even see where there had been headlights or anything. It was perfectly smooth. It wasn't square. It wasn't like oblong or like a hot dog or anything like that. It sort of had a rise in the center from the top as though it rose and the bottom appeared to be flat and the sides were curved but very smooth. There was not a sound at all, Mr. Bell. Not an engine, not a hum, not a nothing. It was absolutely quiet. Art asks if she was frightened. No, because we didn't feel threatened. I mean, I actually touched it. I was so fascinated with it because I didn't know what it was made of. In later years I came to realize that it was like titanium. It was perfectly black and the moonlight made it look shiny. Art starts rushing her, as always, asking if they took off or whatever, no, we did not take off. Mary starts asking, hello, do you want to talk to us, I'm not afraid. And I said, I'm not afraid either. I said. Would you like to speak to us? Would you like to ask us questions? We'd like to answer you questions. Don't be afraid, we're not afraid. We were kids, you know. Now Mary's mother is in the front seat crying hysterically, get in the car. Get in the car. I don't like this, I'm frightened. And Mary's just, ma, shut up. This is the thing that was amazing, it just lifted straight up without making a sound. It just elevated as if to go up and while it was right in front of it. I mean I wasn't a foot from it and I could put my arm out and touch it and it just lifted straight up and just sort of took off. And as it took off, lights around it started circling, different colors and we could see people inside and we waved. We waved goodbye. Art asks, human or non-human, they were too far away but they appeared to be human. They had heads, necks, shoulders, arms and, the one thing that Mary said was, they don't have five fingers. And, see, I wasn't looking at the fingers. And, um, we were waving to them saying goodbye and they waved back to us.
I was archery hunting here in Virginia at our hunt club. Set up on top of a ridge, with a lot of buck sign, about 20 feet off the ground. I hear something coming up the ridge from a swampy area. Here comes a mama black bear and three cubs. So was a big mature so. She walks right to the base of the tree I'm sitting in and stops dead and starts looking around. Obviously caught a whiff of where I walked in. So she stops and the cubs of course are oblivious to what is going on. The cubs start playing on the tree I'm in, and I'm thinking one of them is going to climb the tree. Not good. Now I'm starting to think I'm in deep doo-doo if a cub climbs the tree and starts bawling or something. So one of the little dudes gets on its hind legs, paws on the tree. Now I'm thinking I may have to take the sow, even though I don't want to. Bears are in season, but still. Just about that time, feel a little breeze, which lets the sow catch a whiff of me. Hare stands up on her back, she wheels around and woofs, heading back the way she came, with the startled cubs tagging behind her. Okay my husband and I are ghost hunters when we have the time. We had some interesting stuff happen in our first house which was my late father-in-law's, RIP, house we moved into. I never was scared, mostly he opened doors as I walked to them. I believe to this day it was my father-in-law. When we got a cat it wouldn't go in the hallway and when it did it would come racing back into the living room and once I started keeping my boxer in the house things stopped. It doesn't sound like any of your things are trying to hurt you or anything just state clearly that it's your home and they are scaring your family and they can stop or they can leave. Another thing is if you are out of the house leave a tape recorder going in the middle of the house. Stomp your feet and slam the door as you leave so you know it's you. See what you catch of the recorder while you're gone. My husband did that in his friend's house and they heard people arguing, doors slamming, glass shattering. And nothing in the home was disturbed when they returned but the recording was creepy. They still live there but it's nothing scary or harmful so they just live with it in peace. Oh by the way the friend's house we later found out was built over a cemetery that the headstone were moved but the bodies were left. They put in a cellar and it took three to four years to complete because they kept running into bodies. My brown lab, Susha, and I were sitting by the campfire warming up and preparing to hit the hay about 1 am. My friend Steve and his girlfriend had retired earlier. I heard a stick snap loudly outside camp. I turned on my penlight, pointed it in the direction of the sound. The weak beam of light illuminated a single eye peering back at me from behind a tree 30 feet or so from camp. It blinked, then disappeared behind the tree. I was thinking elk because this I was too high up to be a deer. My dog became tense but did not bark. Suddenly two eyes appeared and my light on the opposite side of the tree. I decided to approach this thing so I stood up and walked towards it keeping the glow of its eyes in my light. I'm freaking but I continue to persuade. My dog is whining a bit but not barking. Now this is what really yanked my chain, the two eyes start moving downhill from me. They are moving up and down as they traverse away from me. Eight feet high then down to the ground then back up again, all the while remaining focused on my light. The beam was only strong enough to pick up the glow of the eyes. I couldn't tell what they were attached to, but it was not a deer or elk. No way. Also it made no sound at all while it moved. I really freaked at this point being fairly close to it. I turned and dove into my buddy's tent. My heart will explode. He and his girl are out like a light and don't even notice my entry. My dog follows me in. I didn't dare go back out. Fell asleep eventually. Looked around the next day. The tree it was hiding behind was an old growth fir. My estimation is it was at least 7 to 8 feet tall. No tracks in the thick humus of fir needles and twigs. No other sign it was there. This experience remains the most deeply mysterious event of my life. Wow. We have lived in our house for 15 years. 
It is a two-story with a 20-feet ceiling and a catwalk that leads to a loft. During the last 15 years, I have many occasions looked up at the catwalk from my uneasy chair thinking that someone is on the catwalk looking down on me. My daughter who has slept upstairs by herself for the past 10 years, her brother went to college and never came back home, has commented that she has seen a little girl in the loft area a few times. We all had a good laugh about it. A few minutes ago, my two half-year-old granddaughter came to the catwalk and was telling me in two half-year-old speak that someone was waving at her. My daughter translated as usual. My daughter said that they were in her bedroom singing songs when my granddaughter got a look on her face on disbelief. As though she could not believe what she was seeing. Then she began to wave at the doorway. She then told my daughter that they someone something was in the doorway of their bedroom waving at her. My daughter asked her if she wanted to go into the loft and look for them. She said yay. She then they stood up and looked out of the bedroom door into the loft area looking for whatever waved at her. Then she came to the catwalk to explain to me that someone had waved at her. I then got my wife and we all went upstairs to have the two-year-old tell us what she saw. She said that someone had waved at her. She would not say if it was a boy or girl or how big it was but she kept looking in the rooms that surrounded the loft area. I am convinced that she saw something but what, I have no clue. A two-year-old would not be able to make up such an occurrence unless it happened. This really freaks me out to have this happen after we have joked about this all of these years. To have my two-year-old granddaughter lead this episode with no coaching makes it even more weird. I am not a crazy person. I wished I was and this really did not happen. stayed at a friend's house one night in high school. They knew there was a ghost living in their house, but they neglected to tell me. An old lady that had previously owned the home, had died there, no alcohol was involved and the whole family was there. I go to sleep on the couch, and wake up in the middle of the night to the rocking chair, rocking. I get up and walk over and stop it. I get back to the couch and lay down, close my eyes. Not 10 seconds later, the chair starts rocking again. I go wake up my buddy, he says, it's just the old lady knitting, she does it all the time. I slept on the floor in his room that night. Never stayed there again. A gentleman drowned in my tank at my house. Sometimes I really feel like someone is outside my house. Like someone is at the window watching. I go running out 12 gauge locked and loaded lights on circling the house. My barn too. I always feel like someone is in there. My great grandmother I am almost certain is in my house. It was actually her house. She didn't die there but she absolutely loved this home. I've always felt her presence. I always felt safe when she was there. When my ex and I would fight, I would feel her more and more for the following few days. Now since we've split I haven't felt her presence. She loved to cook. Always cooking every chance she could. I believe she's where I got my knack for cooking. Anyway, I often hear pots or dishes in the cabinets move and clank. It really used to freak me out. Now it doesn't bother me at all. But she is very much a part of my house. Good luck on the haunting. Once you feel it. You know it's real. Also had a Ouija board experience. I will never touch nor allow Jolie to touch a Ouija board. A group of friends and I when we were about 10 to 12 had a very bad experience. We were playing around with a Ouija board and asked if anyone was living in this house. No joke, a cabinet in the room we were in opened and slammed. I kid you not. Ask any kid in that house. We absolutely freaked. Ran to the front door and it was locked. We didn't even have a key to lock it. It had old skeleton lock system. I literally kicked that door open and then hit a locked screen door. Kicked that open as well. None of us locked that door. We still all talk about it to this day. When I was six I got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of milk. Being that I was six I went through the back door to the back porch to pee, then went back inside to get my glass of milk.
Our back door had those older metal type blinds that rattled and clanked when you opened the door, every time. Our back door had the door handle lock and two deadbolts. I specifically remember locking all three locks that night before getting my drink because the top lock always stuck and took some umph to lock it and I was trying to be quiet so I didn't wake my parents up. I opened the fridge and pulled the milk out and when I closed the fridge I noticed the back door wide open and something was in the doorway. I remember standing there for what seemed like hours and it was probably only a few seconds before I ran to get my dad. When I woke him up and we weaned into the kitchen the kitchen light was on, I did not turn it on and the back door was still wide open, I didn't open it, I know I closed it, I did not hear the blinds rattle when it opened. I don't know what I saw, but something was there and I know 100% that I shut and locked that door and short of a couple hits from a sledgehammer or a tornado that door wasn't going to be blown open by the wind especially with both deadbolts. That freaked me out pretty good. I can't explain it to this day but it still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. On another occasion, more recently, in high school we had a school function and were allowed to take our own vehicles. So my buddies and I took my truck and headed to the function, except we had a couple bottle of Jack with us. I proceeded to get ripped throughout the night and when it came time to leave my friends were not going to let me drive, while well, I somehow got my keys from one of them got in my truck. Locked it then started it threw it in reverse and when backing up almost hit another car. I put it in drive and started out of the parking lot. When I stopped at the exit to look before getting on the road I remember looking in my rear view mirror and I was just able to make the shape of a man out. And I heard the words don't do it, you won't make it two times and then I saw my truck wrapped around a big tree on the side of the road that I was going to take home. I remember it clear as day and won't ever forget it. I put it in park and called my buddies over, they drove me home and made sure I got an alright. I can't explain that, maybe it was the booze maybe not, but I know for a fact that had a drove home that night I know I would not have made it. To this day I do not get behind the wheel if I think I might have had too much to drink, every time I think about it I think back to that incident, guardian angel, maybe who knows. I am not crazy but I can't explain what I saw or what I heard on those two occasions, ghosts, angels, spirits, I don't know, but I know I saw and heard something. There is still too much that is unexplainable in this world for me to say whether I believe in ghosts and what not, but until it is proven otherwise I will always lean to the side of believing. My parents got married in 1979 and moved to Belton. They had my older sister and shortly after that my mom's dad died. Several months passed and one day they went into a Chinese food place where they were close friends with the family that owned it. As they were eating the wife of the owner came over to their table to tell my mom that her father had come in the previous day. She noted the specific table and chair he had sat at, and a vivid description of him. She said he had been asking about each one of them including my older sister. He had been dead for 5 months or so. My mom was so rattled by it that she didn't even tell the lady he was dead. To this day she doesn't really like to talk about it. Crazy stuff. When I was in elementary school my folks decided to build a new house. The spot they chose was a spot that an old house had been standing on. My grandfather bulldozed the old house after he bought the place. Well, after my folks house was completed strange things started happening. I could lay awake at night and hear cabinets in the kitchen shutting and drawers rolling in and out. Never really scared me it just became normal. Everyone in the house could hear the same thing. My great-grandmother absolutely refused to go into our house because she believed it to be haunted. Example, she told a story, and we did look it up in old newspapers to confirm it, that just across the road a boy had been killed by shotgun accidentally going off as he crossed the fence. The boy's name was Bobby Reynolds, this happened in the 40s. My baby sister, about 5 years old at the time, had an imaginary friend. One day my mother walks by her as she was sitting talking to a corner. Mom asks who are you talking to, my sisters answer my friend Bobby. 
No one had ever told her about me great-grandmother's story for fear it would frighten her. My mom doesn't believe in ghosts, but she does believe in angels. She believes that Bobby is my sister's guardian angel. Ghost story, had one in our house, used to turn the lights on for me when we first bought the place. When I would drive up the lane, I just knew there was some kind of sensor turning on lights we didn't know about. Husband would leave early in morning and lock the locks and leave the guard dog out of the house. When I got up the door would be open or unlocked and the dog in the house. Pull chain would move on its own, no wind, a sea or fan. Then we had kids, and we would see a child go past us to the bedrooms, but our kids were still outside or somewhere else in the house. We finally had enough when my daffer started having nightmares and was scared to go outside. She was about two, but didn't talk much at all. One night my husband heard her talking to something, and really, this kid didn't talk much due to heart surgery as a baby. He walked into her room and she looked at him, and then looked to find the thing she was talking to. And couldn't find it, she looked everywhere for her friend. That was the last straw. We prayed and anointed the doorpost and windows with oil and told the thing to leave in the name of Jesus. IT left. Only one other time did we have a problem, I had let a person into my home. Who was a Satan worshipper. We had to drive things out again, because I had invited him into my house. Sommeting came in with him, but all is great now. No problems in about seven years. All due to the blood of Jesus. Could tell a few more things but I'm going to bed. Too much weird stuff used to happen at the house we used to live in. This is going to sound crazy but I swear I'm not. Every once in a while when I would be laying in bed it would feel like a hand rubbing you on your chest, plain as day I would be wide awake and it just continued and whatever it was was definitely a hand you could feel the fingers. Can't tell you how terrifying that was. I can't tell you how many nights I laid awake petrified. It happened to my mom a few times too so I know I wasn't crazy. Also I had the old school sliding closet doors, they weren't terribly hard to slide but they definitely took some force, no wind or draft could close them. One night I was watching TV in my room and my closet door slammed shut really hard. I thought it was my aunt playing with me so I opened it thinking I was going to bust her and there was no one. Also my mom would always come in my room asking what I wanted and I would ask what she was talking about and she would say that she heard me call her name. Also my brother swears he saw what he could only describe as a shadow man in the hallway one day. Lots of other stuff like sinks turning on right in front of us and some other stuff that I'd rather not talk about because it will make me seem crazy ha. I don't know if they're ghosts but there was definitely something in that house. I don't know if I be live in Ghost or not. I do however be live in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I have had some weird experiences that are totally unexplainable. A prelude history of my house. Belonged to grandparents before they passed away. There is an old colored jail cell on the property that was used to hold prisoners while they were working on nearby farms. Grandparents had a housekeeper who was an older Hispanic lady who practiced old Hispanic traditions. She claimed to have seen two different ghosts, one on inside one on outside. The one on inside was a white man and was nice, the one on outside was a black man and was not as nice. Grandpa told me once that he has seen the inside one in one of the hallways. One night I was home alone, parents were out of state I think, I was in my room and was on the computer. Probably on the green screen or Facebook but not sure. Whenever I'm home alone I usually have certain lights on and certain doors closed, to let me know of any activity going on that I'm not participating in. The bedroom doors down the hall were all close and the hall light on. I know this because I had just came back from getting a Dr. Pepper and I remember looking down the hall to make sure the doors were shut and light was on. After sitting down with my back to the wall where I can see my windows and doors, I continued on the computer. 
A few minutes later I heard the door down the hall open and slam shut and heard footsteps running down the hall. I said a few words and grabbed my pistol. I sliced the pie coming out of my room and entered the hallway. I started to clear this part of the house and found nothing and nobody. I called my buddy and he came over and we cleared the rest of the house. No one was there, but I know what I heard. The TVs were not on and no sounds were coming from computer. Another time in the middle of night I had gotten up to get a drink and check out the house. I went into the closed off porch and was looking into the backyard. Under the guard light in th pasture by the water trough I saw a man-shaped shadow walk across. Not sure what it was or who it was. I woke my dad and we cleared the house to see if anything was out of ordinary. I also do Civil War reenactments and Texas Revolution reenactments. We sometimes stay on actual battlegrounds and we've seen so many unexplainable events and heard so many unexplainable sounds.